Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Remember, if you have any questions or comments related to this show or any commercial real estate-related endeavors, you're invited to get in touch with us by smoke signals or a carrier pigeon, if you like. Well, well, you can connect with us by Facebook, Google+, LinkedIn, or Twitter. You can find them all at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. There's also another incredible system that some young people are starting to use today. It's a system that when you communicate, you actually hear someone's tones and voice inflections, a system where you can immediately respond in real time. Get ready for this. Wait for it. It's the telephone. (laughs) It's coming back. Uh, Call us at 888-612-SHOW. Operators are standing by. I'd love saying that one there. All right, well, today we're going to talk about the U.S. office market. You know, office property performance in the U.S. has been improving despite the effects of continued deficit spending, increased income taxes, years of corporate downsizing, and lackluster job growth. So what is the story? Is it time to buy office properties? And what should we expect moving forward? Well, first, please welcome Ryan Severino, Senior Economist with Reese. For more than 30 years, Reese has been a trusted provider of impartial commercial real estate performance information and analysis. Reese provides updated trends and forecasts of rent, vacancy, and inventory for apartment office, retail, and industrial properties. And they do it in up to 200 metropolitan areas and more than 6,300 markets and segments. Ryan, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. Good to be back. Well, Ryan, let's start with a look at the U.S. office market. You know, how did the sector overall perform in the first quarter? Uh, you know, about on par with what we've seen. National vacancy uh, fell about 10 basis points during uh, the first quarter. Uh, it's exactly the same pace uh, as the 10 basis point decline that we, uh, that we observed in the prior quarter. And it's roughly the same pace uh, as any uh, occupancy vacancy improvement that we recorded throughout 2012. And so uh, we're, we're kind of on this uh, slow but steady downward trajectory in vacancy right now. Uh, on the on the rent side, both asking and effective rents grew by about uh, 0.7% during the first quarter, and it's, it's a little bit of a slowdown uh, relative to what we saw uh, in the prior quarter, but that said, 0.7% is well above uh, the quarterly average of about 0.4% that uh, rents have been rising uh, pretty consistently since the fourth quarter of 2010 when the market turned around. And so uh, I, would, I would say you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction, and, and given uh, you know, the changes in those equilibrium variables, not surprising. Uh, we saw net absorption once again positive during the quarter, a uh, little over 4 million square feet. And that is also about on par with, with what we've been experiencing in recent quarters. So it's, we're, we're more the, the tortoise than the hare here. We're, we're kind of slow but steady. I see. And is that, what, is that what you expect to see with the economy where we are and in unemployment? And, and what do you expect? Do you expect these trends to move forward uh, into 2013? Yeah, I would say uh, for the remainder of this year, that's about on par with with what uh, we should expect. You know, I I do expect to see continued improvement in the sector, but I I don't really expect to see any acceleration in that rate of improvement. So I would expect vacancies to compress another 20 or 30 points for the remainder of the year. I'd expect to see net absorption remain positive. Uh, You know, 
totaling somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe uh, 30 million or so square feet for the year. Uh, and I think for the year we're talking about asking an effective rent growth of about uh, 2.5 to 3 percent respectively. So, uh, you know, again, not an acceleration, but I think consistent improvement is, is pretty welcome uh, given all the, the headwinds that the economy faces that, that you had just mentioned. Okay. Well, we're talking with Ryan Severino, economist with Reese. And, and Ryan, what are the factors that you see affecting the office property performance moving forward? Uh, you know, clearly the ongoing weakness in the labor market is of paramount importance for this sector. And it, it isn't just the fact that we, we aren't creating enough jobs right now, but the composition of the jobs uh, that are being created is not very good because many of them are just not office-using jobs. And this is obviously what, what is really required uh, to move the needle uh, for office demands. Uh, I would say most of the compression in the unemployment rate that we've seen so far has come from segments of the labor force with the lowest levels of of educational attainment, and they, they just aren't the types of folks who are going in uh, working in office buildings. I think the other major question uh, out there is whether or not small to medium-sized firms continue to increase hiring. Uh, there's been a bit of a resurgence in their hiring last year, uh, and the trend over the last few years is certainly positive, but we still have a long way to go on that front. We, we can't just have uh, the large firms doing all of the hiring and expect the office market uh, to recover in any kind of pervasive fashion. Okay. And with this slow growth and improvement in the market, how is that affecting investment sales? Has uh, sales volume improved and cap rates uh, continue to compress? Uh, What do you see so far? You know, we've seen a pretty decent rebound in, in office transactions. Uh, you know, single property sales volume tripled between 2009 and 2012. Uh, we're still finalizing our first quarter data, but I'd say right now we're, we're running about on par uh, with what we saw, maybe a little bit slightly behind 2012 volume. So I think what's going to be really interesting to see is how, uh, how rising taxes uh, and sequestration really end up impacting uh, the economy and the appetite for office investments. I'd say, uh, you know, cap rates ended the year somewhere in the mid seven range. That's about flat relative to where uh, we saw cap rates in a, you know the year before the last couple of years. Uh, there's definitely been a bit of a, of a slowing in, in cap rate compression during the last twelve months or so. And is some of that from uh, the volume of sales uh, moving to uh, less hiring properties? Maybe some uh, larger investors uh, interested in B product, uh, if you will, or non gateway cities. Is that affecting your overall cap rates? Yeah, I would say there the there's been a little bit of pricing fatigue on the part of investors in sort of uh, the primary gateway markets just because pricing had gotten so rich. And so uh, while it's not, I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like it's any kind of paradigm shift, there has been some uh, averting of eyes away from the primary markets toward uh, some of the secondary uh, and to a lesser extent the tertiary markets. And I think some of it is the fact that, uh, you know, performance and fundamentals in the office sector uh, just haven't been tremendously conducive outside of very high-quality assets and primary markets uh, to entice a lot of people back in. And so uh, with, with people easing off the gas pedal in the primary markets, there's just been a little bit of a stagnation in cap rate compression right now. Okay. And Ryan, what about performance variances between markets? Are there certain classes of properties or areas uh, seeing more demand? You know, I would say there's there's kind of a, a huge rift between the winners and the losers in the office sector right now, and it, it largely breaks along geographical lines. I would say that metro areas that are tethered to either uh, the technology or energy sectors of the economy have been the clear uh, outperformers because uh, those are the sectors of the economy that have performed uh, really well during this 
this recovery. And I would say even within that, uh, it has really been the, the CBD areas of metros, those key central business districts that have been uh, outperforming their suburban brethren because uh, hiring has been primarily driven by these large firms, uh, at least up until recently, which tend to locate in the CBD area. So it's uh, a clear differentiation in terms of uh, the, the composition of, of the metro-level economy and then uh, which sub-market uh, the buildings tend to be located in. Yeah, that's interesting. We uh, represent tenants in Atlanta, and in some of the markets, uh, it's really tight, and you can't get that great a deal. And some markets is wide open. Uh, you can uh, name your deal. Well, do you see any trends or surprises uh, in the office market numbers, Ryan? You know, I would say that this remains a, a very, very uh, concentrated recovery. And I think once you get away from a relatively small number of markets, there's really little job growth and little net absorption to support a turnaround. And we're just not experiencing a pervasive enough recovery in the economy and the labor right, market right now for that to really change. Uh, I would say, you know, it's going to take some time for the, the have-nots, if you will, to even attempt, attempt to catch up with the haves in the office market. So I think for the time being, we should expect this concentrated recovery uh, to persist probably until 2014 when the economy probably you know, gets past sequestration, uh, stomachs you know, the rising taxes of 2013, and you probably see a more widespread recovery uh, in the economy and the labor market. Okay, we're short on the break, but where do you see opportunities? Yeah, I would say uh, you know, pricing has gotten expensive in, in markets where fundamentals have performed well, and, and I think it's getting difficult to find good opportunities there. I'd say uh, you know, because the office market isn't like the apartment market where the recovery in fundamentals is so pervasive, you know, I, I'd say there are opportunities to be had uh, once you get away from those, uh, you know, the key primary markets and the key CBD areas. I think uh, if you start to look at deals outside of those CBD areas, I'd start with uh, those markets that have been outperforming the energy and technology markets. But I think as you're starting to see small business hiring come back, those suburban markets will eventually recover. And I think uh, while it's difficult to be a little bit of a contrarian and be a little bit early to the game, I would say it's only a matter of time. It's a very cyclical uh, industry. Those those suburban submarkets will start to come back. And when they do, I think uh, there's some pretty attractive opportunities out there for those uh, of us who are willing to, to be a little bit more uh, ambitious and take a flyer on deals like that. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us today, and, and stay with us. We have more office market intel headed your way. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, reach out to our show sponsors, get to know them, and see how they might benefit your business or someone you know. Just look for the tab Show Sponsors at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. While at the site, you're also invited to check out the blogs, videos, and the professional directory. Well, today we're discussing the U.S. office market. You know, one of the factors facing the office sector is the job market. So let's get a look at how employment is shaping up. Please welcome my next guest, Glenn Marker, Senior Market Advisor with PPR, a division of CoStar. CoStar conducts expansive ongoing research to produce and maintain the largest and most comprehensive database of commercial real estate information. Glenn, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. 
Thanks, Michael. And uh, to get us started, um, how many jobs did we add in the U.S. in 2012 and so far in 2013? We added a little over 2.4 million civilian jobs last year, so that's an average of about 216,000 a month. And then this year so far, we've added about 370,000 jobs, so that's around 124,000 in the first three months of the year. Okay. And how many jobs do we need per month in the U.S. to help the economy heal faster? We need about 75,000 jobs a month in order to um, help the economy heal faster. That's in order to keep up with both the population growth rate, but it's also to grow at a rate that's fast enough to keep uh, a healthy or um, you know, a substantial uh, employment to population ratio. So how does the retirement of the baby boomers affect the number of needed job gains? It actually reduces the number that we need on a monthly basis. So um, the for individuals, working aged adults, people from 25 to 54 years of age, the standard employment participation rate for those people is around 80% in a healthy economy. That number drops um, to around 62% when people reach the age of 55 to 64, and then it drops today to around 17% for seniors, anybody who's you know, essentially re- reached retirement age. So. Um, as the boom, baby boomers came of age um, in the 70s, and then also as women um, increased their participation in the labor force, so, um, the ratio or the number of jobs that we needed to add between the 70s and the early um, 2000s was essentially um, north of 1.3 million jobs a year, just to keep up with population and to keep that um, employment population ratio at a healthy level. The, now that baby boomers have started to retire, uh, you know, beginning uh, about two years ago, along with it look, the fact that it looks like we've reached the sort of zenith for women's participation in the labor force, that it's, it's uh, topped out at somewhere around 73 to 75%, we need far fewer jobs in order to keep up with population and to keep that ratio healthy. So we need more like uh, 950,000 new jobs a year just to keep up a healthy rate. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, the baby boomers have always affected the, uh, the business world and uh, employment issues. And uh, uh, what, what age groups are you seeing the most and, and the least gains? Who are getting these jobs? What age groups? Well, it's, it's funny. So over the last five years, seniors, um, people 65 plus, have actually, have, are the only age group that has consistently in the last five years seen enough employment growth to keep up with their, their population and, and keep the EPR uh, and, sorry, to keep the employment participation rate healthy. Um, so until last year, the other age groups, I'm, I, I'm tracking eight different age groups between the ages of 16 to, you know, over 65. Um, until last year, all, you know, none of the groups kept pace with population rate in order to keep things at a healthy clip. Last year was the first year since 2007 when, when all of the age groups, um, you know, employment for all of the age groups grew fast enough to keep up with with population. Um, and then so far this year, we've generally seen in the aggregate, we're seeing enough growth. We've seen an average of 124,000 jobs a month. Like I said, we only need 75,000 in order to keep up with population. But we are seeing some groups benefit more than others. Um, so far this year, 35 to 45 four-year-olds and 45 to 54-year-olds aren't seeing enough growth to keep up with population, whereas um, 25 to 34-year-olds and 55 to 64-year-olds are actually seeing more growth than they actually need. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And what types of jobs and, and industries are experiencing the most growth? Um, so far, it's been so far in the recovery and then definitely last year, the, the growth of 
growth has been strongest in professional and business services, leisure and hospitality, and education and healthcare. The laggards have been construction, government, and information, which includes people in the media, publishing, and, and telecom industries. I better watch out for my job here. <laughs> uh, people in niche in niche fields in the media seem to be doing well. So, uh, particularly people doing online broadcasting seem to be part of the growth uh, growth market. It tends to be the the sort of bigger media conglomerates that are. Uh, or having to deal with the impacts of, of the new online world. Well, that's great. Well, I'll keep small. We're only on 10 stations at the moment. So, well, what are the trends that you suggest uh, we should expect for job growth moving forward this year? Well, so we're anticipating around 151,000 jobs um, created on the average over the course of, of the year. That's going to be a little slower than we had last year. So well, last year we averaged around 216,000 jobs a month. Um, you know, and this is a result of, you know, it's not just the sequester and the overhang of the sequester and, you know, the ballyhoo or whether that's going to happen or not. There has been already over $2 trillion of federal budget cuts that have been agreed to. And, the, and, all, and between the, the budget deficit sort of ceiling extension and the um, the agreement to extend the the majority of the Bush tax tax cuts. There have been cuts that have been agreed as part of those deals, those compromises between the Congress and the um, and the president. So essentially, we've already passed two trillion dollars worth of of cuts. Those the initial phases of some of those cuts are going into place, along with the fact that we we didn't extend the payroll tax cut. All those things are going to drag slightly on the economy this year, and so we're expecting healthy growth, but a little slower than what we saw um, in the preceding year. Okay. We're talking with Glenn Marker with PPR, and we're talking about jobs and how they're affecting the office market. Well, what are some of the cities that, uh, that we may see the most improvement in job growth in the next few years? In the near term, you know, next two, three years, it's definitely all about, you know, tech, energy, and then, you know, mid to large size Sunbelt metros. So places like Atlanta, Dallas, Raleigh, and Seattle should fare well. Um, in addition, places where um, metros where there's a, a high concentration of well-educated people and a fairly um, low cost of doing business should perform well. Um, places like Denver or Nashville, for example. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, uh, Glenn, can you give us a uh, closing tip for our listeners? I would strongly suggest that um, people pay attention to the employment population ratio amongst the various age cohorts as an indicator of the health and the improvement in the health of the economy instead of um, focusing in on the unemployment rate. Um, the problem with the unemployment rate is is that people you need to have a good labor force um, number, and the problem is is that people drop in and out of the labor force uh, for valid and in, you know and complicating reasons. For valid reasons, they they go to college, they decide to raise kids, they decide to retire, so they're no longer participating in the, in the labor force. For complicating reasons, they decide they can't find a job and they give up. And so what happens is, is as, that, as the labor force participation rate moves up and down, it skews the actual unemployment rate. And you get – so you're, right now, um, some recent research I've been working on suggests that the real unemployment rate, it, um, if you controlled for the changes in the labor force participation since 2007, would be closer to around 10.5 percent than the 7.6 percent that we, we hear advertised. Well, that's interesting. Well, Glenn Marker, thanks for sharing your insight with us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Michael. For more information from PPR and CoStar, visit CoStar.com or on Twitter, follow at the CoStar Group. 
will stay with us. We'll be talking with two major players in the office market for an inside view of the sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You may be listening to the show anywhere from Miami to Seattle today. The show has been broadcast around the world for two and a half years on iTunes and the show website. And the show is aired on 10 radio stations and multiple websites across the U.S. We'd like to say hello to our listeners in Houston listening on Business 1110 KTEK. We've been discussing the office sector, and now we have the opportunity to talk with two leading office owners who have been actively acquiring properties in this cycle. Please welcome David Wheeler, Executive Vice President of Acquisitions, Hartman Income Rate. Over the past two decades, they've formed 19 limited partnerships, acquired more than 100 properties, leased, managed, and operated more than 6 million square feet of commercial real estate in Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio, Texas. David Wheeler, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Michael, thank you. I greatly appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on the show. I um, really look forward to the dialogue. Uh, thank you. And also, please welcome Andrew Siegel, founder of Boxer Property. Founded in 1992, Boxer Property Management Corporation is a privately held firm based in Houston that manages, leases, and administers retail, medical, and office properties with 16 million square feet across more than 100 locations nationwide. Andrew Siegel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And David, if, uh, if we start with you, um, how are your firm's office properties performing around the country right now? We're, we're doing well. We, uh, we've got a number of office assets that are up in the 80s, pushing 90% in, in the better stuff market. Uh, we've also got some newer value-add properties that we've acquired more recently that are, are in the 60 to 70% range, and we're getting good activity on those assets. So we're, we're real pleased with office activity. Okay, and Andrew, what are you guys seeing? Well, we, we are um, we're, we're signing a tremendous number of mostly smaller leases. Uh, we're running about 300 new leases every month now. Uh, what, what's interesting is a lot of these leases are coming in on the, the Internet now. They're not uh, coming in through the conventional channels. Now that's interesting. And Andrew, what are you doing for concessions to attract tenants in some of your market areas? And, and has tenant demand picked up since the uh, first of the year? Um, it, it really has. Our, our biggest challenge right now is is building spaces that are move-in ready. Uh, that is more important than a lot of the uh, the conventional concessions that landlords handed out uh, in the past. Well, that's smart. And David, what are you guys doing to attract tenants these days? We're doing made-ready spaces for the smaller tenants, and, uh, you know, we're prepared to provide, you know, substantial finish-out allowances for the credit tenants that are looking for larger spaces. That's what it takes nowadays. Okay. Well, that's smart. I like to see that so that there's some uh, choices of office space that's ready to go so some of these tenants can can come in and visualize it and move in uh, real quickly. What are some of the trends you guys see in tenant office lease uh, that are affecting the market today, uh, David? Call centers tend to be getting a little bit more dense. Not, not necessarily all of them, but some of them are pushing, you know, eight per thousand or even higher in, in some of the properties. 
Um, we, we see really more densities across the board, um, and, and there's a lot of small tenant activity as, uh, as new businesses kick up. Okay, so I guess that affects parking in, in some of these buildings. And, Andrew, what, uh, what do you see as some of the uh, trends uh, with the office users today? Well, we're seeing a reduction in the size of offices, and it's not necessarily small companies. Very often you have very large companies that, because of technology, can place two or three people, uh, you know, in, in key markets. And how are they doing that in their floor plans? Are they doing a lot more open floor plans and, and shared spaces? Um, we're, we're, we're definitely seeing more more open. There's also a uh, trend to adopting some of the looks from California. Uh, people are, are getting less interested in ceiling tiles and carpet, more interested in exposed ductwork and um, concrete floors. All right, so that's great. So a tenant comes to you and a tenant rep and says, all right, uh, no carpet, just give me some concrete. And ceilings, nah, just <laughs> give me open ceilings. And partitions, nah, I don't need them. And you're like, uh, really, really? <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the funny thing is it costs a lot of money to make something look cheap. So it, <laughs> what, what, they're, um, what they're really asking for is more, uh, more tenant-finished dollars at the end of the day rather than less. Right, so you think it'd be inexpensive. Uh, we're doing a, a build-out right now. We've got some ceilings open to the deck, and uh, it's amazing how much more expensive that really is. All right, we're going to take a, a short break, and when we get back from the break, we're going to change our discussions to investment sales. Uh, the guys at Hartman Income Reed and Boxer Property have been very active acquiring properties around the country. So stay with us. More on the office sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Sometimes opportunity comes along because you're at the right place at the right time. A commercial redevelopment site on Peachtree Street in Buckhead, Atlanta, appraised for $7.5 million, is now available for $5 million. For more information, visit the homepage at bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we produce recent shows on the hospitality sector, prevalent legal issues in commercial real estate, and a show on mistakes to avoid with purchase and sale contracts. Be sure to catch a show on how the tax changes of 2013 may affect the commercial real estate industry. You can access these shows anytime on your smartphone or computer. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing the office sector. My guests are David Wheeler with Hartman Income Reit and Andrew Siegel with Boxer Property. And, uh, David, I'd like to ask you about uh, investment sales now. Are you seeing less distress buy opportunities today? And, and what do you expect for distress moving forward? Well, Given that we never really saw the, the kind of the flood of distressed assets, pretend and extend really kind of worked for the banks and the uh, special servicers, uh, we did see a fair amount of distressed sales over the last two or three years. And, and that is dwindling uh, slowly but surely. And uh, we do expect that to continue to play out for probably another couple of years with the level of, of CMBS uh, uh, loans coming up for uh, expiration here over the next couple of years. Some of those are still 
underwater or near underwater, and, and you've got some local and regional operators who are kind of in zombie status that they will need to sell or, or do a short sale, or, or maybe those assets will even go back to the lender. Um, so it, it's going to dwindle, but it'll, it'll still be in the market for another couple of years. Okay. Andrew, what do you see at uh, Boxer for distress? Um, you know, unfortunately, less in Texas and more in uh, some of the outer markets. It's driving us to places like Atlanta, Chicago, um, Denver, and Phoenix. Those, those are our, our very active uh, buying opportunities. But the, the thing to watch is the, the number of secured loans that were uh, originated 10 years, 10 years ago. And we're coming up on, on a uh, you know, point, as we just uh, discuss where the class of 05, 06, and 07 is getting close to graduation. Not all of them make it to uh, to the podium. <laughs> That's a good point. And David, how is this affecting pricing in the office investment market today? It, it, it's not having a dramatic effect on pricing in the office market where we invest, um, but, but on selected assets, it will have somewhat of an effect. Um, there does tend to be a buyer-seller gap in, in a lot of the, uh, the B assets right now. Uh, there's a number of owners that are just holding on for higher values, either not putting their properties on the market or testing the waters and then pulling them back off. So it's, it's not having a dramatic effect. Okay. And, Andrew, what do you see on uh, pricing out there today? Uh, you know, there's, st- there's still uh, deals out there. While, while real estate is a pretty efficient market, uh, you know, we find that one out of 50, you know, to one out of uh, 75 deals uh, are, are priced with, without regard to uh, to the market. So you could still find, uh, you could still find deals out there, but it's getting it's getting tougher, and the the closing times to get these deals is compressed. It's it's now not unusual to uh, to win a deal to have to go hard immediately and close in 30 days. Yeah, that's a good point. We we've seen the same thing. There seems to be a, a good amount of demand if the property is is priced properly. And uh, and David, what do you see for cap rates so far in in 2013? And what do you think about moving forward? Where do you expect cap rates to go? Yeah, I think for the market space that we're in, cap rates are, are leveling off momentarily. Um, uh, I, I don't think think there's going to be substantial cap rate compression in the in the B space uh, going forward for a while. In fact, I think if, in, if interest rates go back up, you could see it reverse, the trend reverse. Okay, that's interesting. And Andrew, what are you seeing for cap rates out there today? I, I, I think we're going to see uh, inf- an inflation-driven disruption of the market. Uh, you know, it's, it's really – now, I've been wrong about this for four years, so I have a, <laughs> uh, a very, very long record of uh, being absolutely incorrect about this. But when it comes, it's going to come very quickly. Uh, inf- inflation is, uh, you know, somewhat of a, a fashion item, and when when everyone thinks it's coming, they're going to reprice accordingly, and we're going to have to think about all of our leases and all of our uh, all of our loans in those terms. Okay, Andrew, can you tell us about a recent acquisition that you guys have uh, had there at Boxer? Um, yeah. So what's been what's been interesting over the last uh, two years is we've bought back a lot of properties that we've owned before. Uh, you know, we went through a, a a buying cycle in the late '90s, kind of selling cycle around 2004, 2005, and now a lot of these properties are coming back. So we've we've bought. Uh, you know, somewhere around a million and a half to two million square feet of properties that we've owned uh, that we've owned previously. That's interesting. So, seeing some old friends again, then. 
some, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes you remember why you were happy to sell it. <laughs> okay. And uh, David, tell us about uh, one of your uh, recent acquisitions. Well, we've been successful over the last few months buying, buying a couple assets in uh, North Dallas on the tollway, which is uh, you know, a really good submarket and one we've, we've, we've wanted to enter for a while. And, and uh, it's got a lot of good tenant activity coming from, from other areas of town. And, and we're really pleased with the basis we were able to establish on those properties. They're really more B assets and B plus, A minus locations. So we're, we're, we're able to be kind of locationally driven at this point, and, and we're happy about that. And what type of occupancy do you typically see in the buildings that you're buying? Oftentimes we'll buy in the 50 to 80% occupied range. You know, it'll have some type of an issue yield going in and a chance to build substantially on that to release us. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much zero to about 60% is uh, typical for us. Uh, you know, a, a zero would be a, uh, you know, one of the buildings we bought in downtown Dallas. Uh, it was uh, 300 and, um, uh, 310,000 square foot uh, 1980s tower, uh, 0% occupancy, sold for about $15 a foot. Okay. Well, great. We're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to get uh, the acquisition criteria of these active buyers out in the market today. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Boyle, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Hey, we have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including a show on the retail sector, one on the apartment industry, and an interesting show on apps. It's called There's an App for That. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, we're discussing the U.S. office market with David Wheeler with Hartman Income Reit and Andrew Siegel with Boxer Property. And, David, what are your acquisition plans right now? If we want to bring you a property, what should we bring you? Yeah, our, our expectation is to place um, 50 to $100 million this year in, in Texas. And our, our footprint uh, uh, is primarily driven by Houston and Dallas, although we're looking in Austin, San Antonio, and other places as well. Uh, we typically buy in the five to twenty-five million dollar range, uh, and at about thirty-five to fifty percent of replacement cost. And our acquisition uh, criteria not only includes office, but we, we buy retail, and we also have some industrial in our portfolio. So while office is more than half of the portfolio, we, we do look at other property types. Okay, great. And Andrew, what about uh, Boxer? What are you looking for? Well, Boxer bought about uh, just under 4 million square feet last year. Uh, about half of those properties were hard at contract signing. So we're, we're very interested in, uh, you know, in properties where selling is, is important. Uh, you know, we found that, that a lot of times we're not the, uh, we may not be the highest bidder, but we're certainly the most persistent uh, bidder. Uh, you know, our focus, uh, our focus right now is, of course, Texas. Um, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Phoenix, and Denver. Uh, we also started buying resorts. We bought a uh, golf resort in Phoenix uh, last year and a uh, ski resort in Crested Butte. 
Nice, nice. So you're looking for more uh, value add and distressed properties, right? Yes. Uh, Typically, uh, you know, the properties don't have to uh, be cash flow positive even before debt service uh, when when we buy them. Okay. I had a uh, buyer uh, uh, tell me that he buys on a a cap rate on NOI, and I had a property with a negative NOI. So I asked him, does that mean I need to give it to you? (laughs) Uh, That's a smart way to buy, though. I appreciate that. Well, uh, Andrew, can you uh, leave us with a tip for our listeners related to the office market? I think the most important thing is speed. Is that our our customers now are growing up? Uh, they're 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 children of the internet, and they expect um, they they expect answers within seconds on availability and uh, you know leasing flow is a second is like an hour was years ago, and there there's no such thing as a day. An hour is like a week, uh, you know, and and this is just as relevant when you're when you're purchasing a. Um, a building is that speed is very often more important than price to uh, the people who are selling these assets. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we, we're taking some properties to market all the time, and, and sometimes we've got some buyers that you know they need a month to you know with the Argus runs and and to do their analysis, and you know there's they're missing the call for offers. They don't really have time to to come in and analyze the asset. Um, and, and David, uh, what uh, closing tip do you have for our listeners? Yeah, capability to close is, is essential. You've got to be able to move fast. And uh, on the leasing side, definitely path to the building is essential. You've got to have move-in ready spaces. And you've able, got to be able to get information in the hands of the tenants fast and, and, and bring the leasing process to conclusion efficiently and quickly for them to get them in. Okay. No question. Yep. Well, well, great tips. David, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. We sure appreciate your insight. Thank you. Well, thank you, Michael. If you'd like more information from anyone on the show today, you can find their contact information at commercialrealestateshow.com. And I have an invitation for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll be discussing the U.S. retail market. We'll also talk about the ICSC coming up. So thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is made available by professionals at Cone Resnick, BB&T, France Media, and Bull Realty. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.